you have to understand that everybody has to speak up. When you hear something racist, you see something racist, speak up about it. I think people are too uncomfortable with being shunned. Like, no, you're not going to be liked by everybody. But if somebody's going to hate you, let them hate you for doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people like, I I know that's wrong over there, but I'm not going to say anything because my family and friends might not talk to me. All right, if those people don't want to talk to you for doing the right thing, that's showing you their character. Black folks need to say enough is enough. And white folks need to say, what do you need? That's change. Being pro-black is not anti-white. Yeah, we don't hate white people. But we just want police brutality fixed. We just want cops to stop killing us. The thing that everybody is rioting and protesting is not, I'm black, you're white. Right. Mm -hmm. What we're protesting is police brutality. Mm -hmm. It's time to end it. And the only way to end it is together. That's John Lewis and John Sally. This week on the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. First, let's acknowledge the awesome organizations that make this show possible. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, 
I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go. And it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Okay, my guests today are my good friends, John Lewis and John Sally. Mr. Sally is a straight up legend. The first basketball player in NBA history to win four championships with three different teams, the Pistons, the Bulls, and the Lakers in three different decades. How about that? Since retiring in 2000, John has been a consistent presence on television and radio, appearing on countless programs and even creating many of his own shows over the years. He's also a longtime vegan, a passionate animal rights and healthy nutrition advocate for many years, something that we discussed at length in his first appearance on the podcast back in 2015. That was episode 180. John is also an absolutely relentless entrepreneur. He's got his hands in more businesses than I can count from 
vegan wine to cannabis. And his latest venture is Cafe Organics, which is a brand new plant-based restaurant, which just opened last week, I believe, in San Bernardino. The intention being to put an end to the food deserts that plague the black and brown communities that reside there. John Lewis, AKA the badass vegan, is a public speaker. He's a personal trainer. He's also an entrepreneur, a longtime friend. Just one of the friendliest, most positive personalities in the vegan movement who has taken a new career turn lately as a filmmaker, partnering up with our mutual friend, Keegan Kuhn, who you might know as the director behind Cowspiracy, What the Health, and Running for Good, on this powerful new documentary they're collaborating on called They're Trying to Kill Us, which takes a look at the impact of food and health injustice on disenfranchised African-American communities, which is also a subject I first explored with Mr. Lewis in our first podcast together back in 2016. That was episode 260. We're gonna break it all down today. Black Lives Matter, the protests, police misconduct, the nature of systemic racism, the role religious institutions play in embedding white supremacy, the importance of black leadership and black entrepreneurship, food injustice, of course, and what is required of all of us to make things right, including what black and brown communities need from white allies so that we can grow, change, and do better together. I should say that the conversation about the movie, They're Trying to Kill Us, which takes place near the end of the podcast, was a bit briefer than I would have preferred, but I will definitely have uh, John Lewis and Keegan Kuhn back on the show to discuss the documentary in detail upon its completion, which uh, is near and promises to be quite powerful. In the meantime, I encourage you to check out the incredibly compelling trailer for the documentary, which I posted on my Instagram page on, I believe, June 24th. And finally, uh, this one, which uh, is a bit all over the place at times, both Johns are prone to tangents. Sally is Sally. That's why we love him. Uh, it's first of all packed with expletives. So pop on the earbuds if you got kiddos in the back seat. Uh, and it's also provocative. Uh, it's a conversation I suspect might be uncomfortable for some, maybe for many. At the same time, these guys are a total blast. They're super fun. I love them dearly, both of them. So strap in and prepare for the testimony of John Lewis and John Sally. So why don't we just start with what's going on? Like, give me your take on where we're at right now. I really want to hear like your perspective on what you think is going on. I mean, right now it just feels like, it feels like we're at a spot where people realize that they have to use their voice now. And, and I mean, everybody, like we're starting to see like a team effort to battle racism. Like we realize black people can't do it alone and white people have to speak up. And I'm starting to see that that's actually what's happening. Mm -hmm. And But I want, I want every white person out there that's helping or that's thinking about helping, I want y'all to understand that there's probably not going to be any awards. There's not going to be any <laughs> pat on the back. There's not going to be uh, a high five. Like you're doing it just because you know it's right. And I think as long as they understand that, you know, because I, I see people like, well, I, I went to this march. It's like, yeah, that's great. 
but there's a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as everything that's going on, I think it's been going on. It's just getting revealed. Yeah. This is, this is not anything new. I mean, not to call him out, but John's older than me. So I'm sure he's seen more than me. Mm-hmm. And just from, like, I grew up in Ferguson, like we talked about before. Yeah. I've seen worse almost, you know? So it's just like, it's time to end it. And the only way to end it is together. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, they're, look, those changes at the highest level politically, um, require a certain level of will, right? And that will is a reflection of popular support. And I've never seen this level of popular support. So it's about figuring out how to harness that and channel it in the right direction Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't just dissipate and then we're back to some version of of normal. Because, um, and I think like what we don't wanna do is make the mistake of what happened with Ferguson. Like we talked about Ferguson last time, you growing up there Mm -hmm. and everything that happened there in 2014. And I think there was a sense that after that, there were gonna be some changes and we didn't really see that, right? This does feel different to me. I don't know if it does to you. No, definitely. um, I think there's an opportunity here. Tell me the my truth, patience. John. I know. I'm, I'm yeah. sitting there. I told I told John before. <laughs> I said I'm, I'm gonna be quiet most of the time. No, I don't want you to be quiet. My patience is up. I'm 56 years old. So in 1964, the Civil Rights Act was passed. So if you were born before 1964, black folks had no civil rights. And we still had to fight to the point where Martin Luther King got killed four years later, and then the riots. Then 47 days after the riots, the Civil Rights Act was uh, enacted. Mm -hmm. That's when it took effect. It got to go literally the only way this country or most people have ever, ever, ever dealt with things is when it hurt them in their pocket. Mm -hmm. Do I think it's the right thing to do? No, I don't think anybody's stuff should be burned down. I don't think anybody should be in this situation. But you know what? From what it seems like, it seems like it's a lot of talk and it does not feel real. So the change doesn't have to come, uh, like John said, from both sides. The change, the reason what he means by the change got to come from both sides is black folks need to say enough is enough and white folks need to say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. That's change. They can't help us. White folks can't help us. We mm-hmm. got to help ourselves and we got to do it this way, period. Like, you know, someone said, we ain't got no money. We, we do. We got we to gotta now crowdfund and source to ourselves. We now have to build things um, that help us as a community. We now have to separate like we, we got to take a second. We got to step away. Mm-hmm. Integration was at this point. We love the allies, but we as black folk got to step away. Got to step away and figure out which one of us are like Candace Owens and which one of us are like Killer Mike. Yeah. This is the difference, and this is the problem. When you separate, everybody stays separate, but we have to pick a side. We have to either say we're going to go this way or we're going to go that way, and we have to make a decision that those on this side raise their ways and those on this side raise theirs. Before we try to mirror, we try to put it together. 
And what we got was the Vietnam War and drugs in our community. I was 10. So we got to change that look. I think we got to be, we got to act like Americans when we didn't, when they no longer wanted to be subjects of Great Britain. Mm. And Malcolm X said, you know, if you talk about a revolution, there's nothing nice about it. It's mm. nothing cute about it. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, we're going to go back mm -hmm. to the normacy. And the normacy was wrong. Mm. And that's why when you hear, you know, make America great again, we're like, when the fuck was it great for us? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like we had some moments, you know, like put it this way, for people out there that, that listen, when they, when you, when your rebuttal is black people had it bad, had it good, they had Michael Jordan or they had Barack Obama. If you could only think of five people as the barometer of we had it good, that's not good. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and people no. do it all the time. Yeah, no, we, everyone knows it wasn't good. The deal is, what are we gonna do? Like, do we send money to the NCA, uh, NCA, NAACP, NAACP? <laughs> same too. Same, same I mean, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, NAACP. Do we send the money to Black Lives Matters? Right, right. What happens when you send the money there? Um, when they put this in, are we gonna hear corruption? And this guy bought Bentley and three houses. Mm. Like, what? Are, what? What are we gonna hear? What, what is going to be the move? Do we send it to Minister Farrakhan? Do we send it to Al Sharpton? Do we send it to Dr. Umar Johnson? Like, we literally need um, leadership. Yeah. One, one thought process, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if it needs to be led by a religious fraction or not. Um, I was going to post something the other day. And Rich... This is the deal. I'm on this show because John asked me to be on. Uh -huh. And I said, Are you I here told reluctantly? Him, no. <laughs> no, no, not because, reluctantly. No, no, no. Because no, no. I'm angry uh -huh. and because I'm enraged. But, you know, me being a, a Buddhist, you don't ever react in anger. But it's like, I got a 17 year old daughter and 23 year old daughter who say to me, How'd you let it get this far? Mm. Like I was in charge. Right. But then I'm like, yeah, how did I, why did I, I posted on my post. It said, know your position, make your choice. Yeah. Now, and that was literally to as many black folks that, because they knew what it was, like, you're going to play the back, mm -hmm. you're going to play the front, mm -hmm. you're going to sit in the house, you're going to be in the field. All those different words came about. And I was like, we have to literally unlearn everything. If we don't unlearn it, um, we're going to start acting like my boy Shamanat, uh, uh, Charlemagne said. He had a book called Black Privilege. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, people were like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you got to think about it. He was like, sometimes we act in a certain way as if we're on this side looking at black people like, what the hell? Yeah. When we're supposed to be looking at ourselves like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. So I just said, pick yourself. Pick Pick exactly what position you want to be in history. Do you, you know, you want to spark it? That's why I decided to open up my own stuff. We, we're going to things, and I'm making everybody else money, posting their stuff. And I was like, if I don't, <laughs> if I don't show these cats, especially nowadays, financial uh, freedom and literacy, yeah, yeah. And growth and invested into my own thoughts, 
and this is why no one else is going to do it. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, both you guys are black business owners. I mean, you got a million businesses, yeah. right? I mean, I can't keep track. It seems to change a lot. I have, <laughs> to, know, I have, to, I have to call right. John up sometimes like, hey, man, is this really you? Like, okay. Right. <laughs> you know, it's called a uh, 70, 72 means of income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So that, Diversify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to, like literally the 72 names of God in Hebrew. So if you can have 72 streams of income, as you not only help yourself, you're helping right, everyone right, who's right. associated. So I have I have seven right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got it. Right. I got seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you tired have, as hell, right? <laughs> and, and you got you have vegan smart, right? Yeah, you have vegan a, smart, right. um badass vegan as a as a corporation too. Mm-hmm. And then the the production company, Hungry for Justice. So mm-hmm. and that's something we, you know, a lot of people don't realize like the black dollar, black consumers spend one point two trillion dollars a year. How many black businesses are put up front to make that money? Mm-hmm. It's like you're spending and it's going all the way from your community or your people. Now it's like, oh, well, what if you invested that back into the community, back into black corporations, and then other black corporations come about and mm-hmm. it just starts, it's a trickle effect. Yeah. You know, that 1.2 trillion is a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of baby shoes. You know hair. what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And it's not. <laughs> It's not going back to the black community, though. Mm-hmm. So they're spending. It's all going out. It's not coming back in. So how do you catalyze entrepreneurship in your community? Mm. Well, we open up Planet Health in Compton, 546 West Compton. Is that, it, your, is that your restaurant? <laughs> yeah. So it's a trip because it's a small restaurant part, but it was like a strip mall. And then it had like an empty lot next to it. So... I got in touch with the guy Moses, who was making the generators to make air, make water out of the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully going to talk to Ron Finley again about putting a farmers market there. And then we sell hair, uh-huh. coffee. There's a stage for people to talk and get their words out, learn things. That's cool. Small cafe, and then it's a clothing store, but with all stuff made in L.A. Mm. So literally, we did that across the street from New Body. Got to say that, New Era. Because um, we wanted just to take over Compton Avenue. I just, I, that mentality. And then I opened up Plant Organics Cafe O in San Bernardino in a brown neighborhood. So one of the black neighborhood, one of the brown neighborhood, and health and wellness. So it still fits with what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, I, I wanted to get rid of the, the um, I wanted to make an oasis. I got. I wanted to get rid of the 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 lack of food and mm-hmm. lack of knowledge and health in the black community, right. the brown community. Right. I want to get back to one thing you said earlier about about leadership. Right now, um, you know what is different about this moment versus sixty four MLK. You know Malcolm X is that there is no iconic leader at the moment for this. That leadership is distributed. And, you know, how does that impact this movement? Like both of you guys are, are amongst those leaders. You both have huge profiles. You got people who really care what you think. And I'm sure you take that responsibility seriously and, you know, think long and hard about how you message to your respective communities. But, you know, what does leadership mean in this moment in Black Lives Matter? It means everything. I tell you because... Uh way everybody is getting their information is literally the same way. It's 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 not diverse. 
So all the information comes from television and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So you're not, you don't have a paper that had been, or you have a couple of papers, but none that we don't go and pick up the paper now and read it the same way. Things can be blocked and on on um, on Facebook and on Instagram and and YouTube, and those are the sources we get our information from. It is no, um, we have the we have the paper in you know in Inglewood, but you know it's not that everybody's running out to see what the news is. Uh, we're used to turning on CNN and believing that. Used to turning on Fox and believing that. So. The, the problem with the leadership is who do we trust um, to be 100% on this side and never going to waver? And the only person that was like that was Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Colin Kaepernick put his neck on the shoulder like Muhammad Ali did, and um, but, but he's not saying, hey, I want to be the leader of this movement. Right. So the, the problem is we just have to find out where, you know, do you go after a celebrity? Do you listen to Dave Chappelle or, or do you check? Like, we don't know. Like, Dick Gregory quit being a comedian to be um, an activist. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it just, but he's passed. So it's like trying to figure out who and what side to move on. Because we have been rich, for, like, for a better word, um, we have been literally massaged into believing it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. it, we, we, we believe, ah, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We got to literally not feel that. We got, and and who, I don't know who we, we listen to. It's a big trust factor with that. Yeah. It's a big trust factor. Because this time we want to move away from it. We want to get out of it. Yeah. You know, I know I do. Is it because you got to think about like, there are so many people with ulterior motives. It's like, so yeah, maybe they might come in, they might want to help, they might want to do something, but it's like, but what's the ulterior motive? Mm -hmm. And track records have shown, like, <laughs> it's not a big track record of good people right now, you know what I'm saying, on, on both sides. So it's yeah. like, who do we want to trust and who wants to take that? Because like, maybe three, four years ago, Kaepernick had that energy. He wanted to do that. Now he's like, well, fuck y'all. Y'all didn't want to listen to me then. You know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't listen to me then. Like, you know, I, I moved on because y'all didn't want to listen to me. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Like, and and then who wants to be torn down by the other side too? Right. Because whoever is gonna be that leader, they're gonna, it's gonna be a mission for other people mm -hmm. to go after them. Mm -hmm. You know, like the premise of Black Lives Matter, there's nothing corrupt about that. There's nothing, but there have been people out from day one. The money's going here. The leadership is this. Yeah. They, you know, like right. the the right. core of it is good. Of course, you're gonna get people that trickle in that aren't like a hundred percent at the at the protest. They turn into looters and they they do riots. It's like, okay, do you really think that the people of Black Lives Matter is out there, the ones that are literally starting the fires or doing this and that? Like, uh, and I'm sure you get it all the time. People are like, well, if Black Lives Matter so much, why do black people kill each other? I'm like, do you think the people in Black Lives Matter are the ones that's killing other black people? Like, do you think, like... I got the answer for that, too. And I, I have to tell people, because I, I know I sounded very strong when I first came on, but 
being pro-black is not anti-white. Yeah, we don't hate it's, white it's people. Just no, I, I, you know. Well, there's a lot of moral confusion out there right yeah, now around I don't that. Have that. No, I don't have that. Like literally, uh, I'm, I'm about to sound like a white guy. No, but my <laughs> wife is my wife is 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 half Caucasian, and um, some of my best friends are white. No. Uh, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> it doesn't sound crazy uh-huh. the other way around, but but I I literally it does. But I just want people to understand that it's like it's not the OJ trial. This is not the Rodney King. Yeah. Like, like, but the fact that we could even go back to that, or how people were so separate, how separate the country was, and how like black people that didn't even know who OJ was was on his like that kind of stuff. We got to get away from, you know. So, and I, I'm glad that my daughter's age, different than ours, are is they kind of see no color. Mm. That's how are they doing with all of this? Uh, they're angry. My my daughter Giovanna is 32. She she's losing it, and I had to tell her, "Yo, chill." I had to say, "Chill." Mm. And yeah. she was like, <laughs> "You oh, to say like, chill." Yeah, for me, I was like, "Chill." <laughs> I was like, "Cause you're transferring something else into yeah. this. Like, don't transfer. You got to be smart about how this gets done." But the 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 one thing that I will say that uh, I love the allies that are on our side, but but we just want police brutality fixed. We don't, all the rest of that shit, we don't want all that. We just want cops to stop killing us. I want, I literally drive the whitest of white cars in the world. <laughs> I drive a Prius. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> I did. I How drove do you a fit Prius. In that thing? I drove a Prius and I still got pulled over. No, I'm uh-huh. No, I drive a Tesla. And and I'm driving and, and shit. And it's even yeah. white. And it's white. Would <laughs> I drive this car? And if I see a police officer, I still second look. Clean up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What the hell? I'm 56. I'm still doing that." And you do. I yeah. still second look. And I just want that part to stop. Have you had gnarly encounters in the past? Yeah, with cops? when I was playing for the Miami Heat, uh, it was 1994, 95. So I'm hanging out with my brother, Michael, and I'm working for Toyota. So I get a land cruiser every 4,000 miles. Uh-huh. But it's like the big, this is when Toyota was throwing it out. So I had this big, beautiful white one, and I'm getting on the causeway. We're leaving the club. Now, I don't drink or smoke. So, and we're, we're driving, and the cops pull us over on the causeway and tell me to cut the car off, turn the key, drop the keys out of the, what you call it, open the door with my right hand, get out and walk backwards mm. while their guns were drawn. Then they got me, turned me around, put my face down, put the lights, oh, it's John Sally. Yo, sorry, dude, we mm. had we heard somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I stole a white truck like this on the beach. <laughs> and so my brother was like taking the shit. He was like, come on, we're cool, right? Yo, man, nobody, my brother was like, if I would have tripped, you would have shot me. If I would have stumbled going backwards, you would have you shot me. And it never clicked until my brother told me that. Mm. And he was like, Sally, we're cool, right? I was like, mm-hmm. got in the car. We get 20 minutes from my house. You ain't say shit. I still couldn't say anything. I was like, yeah. And I was like, wow. But um, I got about six of them. But they become so, I become so numb to it until 
I saw George Floyd. It was amazing. It was like uh, like those girls calling in on Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. Like, oh, I... Exactly. Yeah, I saw like that before. something clicked. Mm-hmm. And that was like, man, that could have been... That could have been me. And the trip is, I posted today, a white dude going through the same thing. So it wasn't just black. It was police brutality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I keep saying to people. They keep thinking I'm making it black. No, I'm making it police brutality. And my my cousin's like a chief, was a top captain. My other cousin's a chief in the police, I mean, fire department. My brother's a correctional officer. I get it. But they still overstep their bounds. So when you hear defund the police? No. No, I said fund the police. Mm. So now we could know what they need to do is if we got snitches in jail, we need snitches in the police department. Find out which ones are on the air, uh, believe that the Aryan race is stronger. Find them, tag them, get them out. What they're gonna do is start their own police force. So now you gotta watch them. So we watched Black Klansmen. We watched Mississippi Burning. We saw all these all these things are imitating life. We watched it, knowing what it was about, police brutality. Now we need to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's obvious that that we need we need a healthy police force. You know, I don't know why anyone would be calling for the abolition of the police. I'm certainly not anti-cop, but but I think we need to figure out how to allocate those funds yeah. appropriately yeah. so they're going in the Give right them direction. More money. Yeah. We got to train these people better. They need to be able to manage their emotions under pressure. They need to be adequately trained with firearms. They need to know how to handle high conflict situations. Like it just, if there's anything that comes out of all of these videos, it's that these people are ill-equipped for high stress situations. Yeah. They should stand down. Soon racist or not, high, I'm not saying go. they're not racist, right. but. But yeah. even, even, even one, a lot of them need to know the law. We need to retrain police officers to know the law and know the rights. That's the deal. They don't know the rights. They believe they're above the law. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when you don't know the rights of the citizen, you will violate them, right? Um, power is corrupting. Absolute power is absolutely corrupting. So if you think I got the gun and the badge, and well, you, Eddie Murphy, this me. shit. Yeah, who are you? I'm a nigga with a badge, mm-hmm. right? That means I get the right to kick your ass whenever I feel like it. Well, that is a mentality. It wasn't just Eddie doing it in the movie. That's a mentality. And I said, when we know that the thing that everybody is rioting and protesting is not, I'm black, you're white. Right. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm. But what we're protesting is police brutality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period, and they they need to know that it's it's consequences to their actions. Right now, like you said, with them thinking they're above the law, it's just like yeah, I can whoop your ass. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the mentality right mm-hmm. now. It's like if I anybody if they find out they can do something, and then later on they realize, oh well, nothing's gonna happen to me. Their morality, right. you, that 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 paradigm shifts for them. Like, well, I know this is wrong, but I get away with it every day. And layer on top of that, the fact that that opportunity is attractive for a certain person who gets into that field exactly. of work because mm-hmm. of whatever trauma or abuse that person suffered in their life that that makes that job Revenge. sound appealing. Revenge They're gonna do RoboCop. 
Exactly. Was, it was it RoboCop? Yeah, it was RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> RoboCop's yeah. about to come, man. <laughs> then everybody's up Shit's Creek. <laughs> There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. I'm sure you've had run-ins with the police too, right? Yeah. I, uh, one case that always sticks out to me is that uh, I was in I was in college. I played college ball. I was going to a classmate's house to meet up with her, and they lived in a a better neighborhood. You know, this is I, I lived in Ferguson. They live in a better neighborhood. I'm riding over. I got this uh, a nine eight Oldsmobile. If anybody ever. <laughs> Like it's it's beat up. It's a hoopty. Whatever. I'm driving it, and I noticed the cop get behind me. And mind you, I'm still looking for her house because I don't. I've never been in the area really. Mm. So I am driving a little slow, and then he puts the lights on. I'm like, and automatically, like you say, like fear. Like I, I remember just a segue. I remember I put out a post about three or four years ago, and I was like, for everybody out here, I want you to answer. If you get pulled over, what's the first thought that goes in your mind? Most white people were like, oh, you know, maybe a ticket, this and that. Most black people were like, I might fucking die. So that's a big shift mm. for people to understand. Like, yeah, we might, even if I don't die, I'm probably going to end up with some kind of injury. Like, that's for a ticket, whatever. So he's pulling me over. But I waited till I got, like, more in front of her house because I always remember Rodney King. I'm like, I want witnesses. Like, whatever's about to happen to me. This is before cell phones had cameras. Uh-huh. It was like 90... 97, something like that. So I'm like, all right. So I get there, but I, I called her. I'm like, hey, I'm outside. Um, the cops just pulled me over. I'm just letting you know in case something happens. So he comes up, he's got his he he unflaps the gun. Mm-hmm. He's got the he's got his hand on the gun, and he's like, uh, what are you doing here? That's that's the first question. Like, I'm not allowed to be. I was like, oh, well, I'm meeting up with a classmate. We're um we're about to do our paper together. My book bag is right here. Hey, don't move your arms. My bad. I'm just showing you my book bag is right here. So now four other cops have showed up. And by the time we like keep getting our conversation going, he's like, why didn't you stop when the, I first turned the light on? I was like, well, I was nervous. I just want to make sure it was witnesses. This and that. He's like, no, you stop when you when the lights come on. I'm like, well, I was in the middle of the street too. So pull over. And uh, he gets my license registration, goes back to the car. 
I'm telling him, like, I'm still outside. I see her come outside on the porch. Her father was like a, a state official, some kind. Uh-huh. So he comes out. He's like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, oh, this guy, he meets the description of the guy. Him and the car meet the description of the guy that just robbed the grocery store mm. around the corner. And I'm like, well, damn, like, was he in a cutoff T-shirt? Because I'm like, I just can't play a ball. Like, I'm not like, <laughs> you know, like, who, who robs a store? That's a like t-shirt? so many stories, though. It's just so crazy. Terribly wrong. And now, mind you, I'm I, I am I'm a twenty year old guy. You know, I'm not even I'm I'm nervous as hell. You know, like I and everybody's like, oh, if you just comply, I'm like, man, when the fear kicks in, you're like, dude, I might die right now. Like, you don't know what you're gonna mm. do. So I'm sitting there waiting on everything to go through. Finally, they come back. Luckily, they stayed on the porch and waited. And I think that that literally made this whole story change. Mm. So finally, they gave me the papers back. No, he's not the guy. They go. Come back to uh, my classmate's father. He calls into the office or whatever because they just wanted to check. Like, was there a robbery? They're like, no, there hasn't been a robbery at any grocery store in that area in the last, like, five years. Just made it up. So they just made the shit up. But I just didn't fit like I should have been in that neighborhood. Right, right. Now, mind you, the classmate was black, too. But she has like a Alexis, uh-huh. and I'm riding around the night. You know, like it was just so. I'm telling you, like I was nervous, like the whole time, like the whole time. But he was pissed. wearing a cutoff T-shirt, like no, no, showing the stomach. No, oh, oh. cutoff arms. Like, no. <laughs> I was like, were you wearing a crop top? <laughs> yeah, maybe you got pulled over for the crop top. <laughs> Lime green. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, y'all oh, working on dance steps? Oh man, no, it was like a basketball shirt. So you know, but it like, but it pisses you off afterwards, like. Mm. It's like, why would you even fuck with somebody like that for no reason? Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying there's not bad people out there. So the guy just he saw the car. He's like, this is a this is a tweaked ride this guy's got. Like he looks like he's black, like lights up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He shouldn't be in this neighborhood. It's a mm-hmm. beat up car. Like the car's beat the fuck up. So yeah. like he's like, no, this car shouldn't be in this area. Right. What's going on? I'm like, but if I'm gonna do something shady, I wouldn't be going to You wouldn't slow. be creeping right. slow. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be creeping slow. Like, why would I creep around it? Like, so it was just but it's so many stories like that. I mean, I've had I've had more run-ins myself, but it's like, and that's the messed up part is because you you're you're kind of powerless. Because mm. they have supposedly absolute power, and absolute power corrupts you. It it makes you believe that anything other than you is lesser. Mm-hmm. White, black, purple. If if we don't change the way that thought process is, like the other day, uh, excuse me, I forgot his name, but the brother got killed in the Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta. Yeah, right. I forgot okay. yeah, yeah. He's standing up having Rayshard a conversation. Rayshard Brooks? Yeah. Yes. He's having a conversation. Yeah, he's tipsy. He doesn't know his rights. He doesn't have to take the breathalyzer test. Next you know, he's wrestling. And then as I'm watching it, they go, well, look, this is when he turns around and points the stun gun. Well, he pointed a stun gun. And then the cop shot him with a real, real gun. Good, right. Mm-hmm. So why if if did he feel back. threatened? In the back. Did he feel threatened by a stun gun? Then he should have. Well, he stole my stun gun. So the only other gun I had to shoot him with was that. So it it's it gets to a point where you gotta stop giving excuses. It it cannot, we cannot have any more excuses. Mm. We can't have George Floyd, and since George Floyd, seven other people get murdered. Yeah. 
We, murdered. I know. Murdered. There was we the, can't the kid have in, The kid in Palmdale who they found hung and two. they were calling it a suicide. It's suicide. Two. two. Yeah. Like, come I on, I can't man. keep up. I, well, we have to. It's crazy that- That's the problem. With the world, you know, paying attention to this so closely and a spotlight on police behavior that these kinds of things would happen. You got protests for police brutality where police are being brutal against the people that are protesting. It's like- Nobody sees this shit. Mm. Like, and, and people well, like, well, confused. they were out there. It gets confused because you have looting and like people like that has nothing. But I'm saying, I know, though, but that's but they where do it before the they attention gets dispersed. Yeah, oh, yeah, but they're doing it to people that aren't looting. It's like, are right, you? We all have the right to peacefully protest, whether it's a knee in a football game, whether it's out on the street, whatever it is, we all have that right. And looting in every single riot. There's looting and right. every that's why it has a name. Yeah. And half the people that are looting have shit to do with the actual cause. They're opportunists. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like let's, let's be honest. Riot. Yeah. Loot there's a difference between looting and rioting. Rioting is breaking some shit and tearing some shit up. Looting is walking out with Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with George Floyd. Like you got people walking out with eight Nike boxes. Right. That ain't got nothing to you do with George Floyd. It depends like- if they were throwbacks though. <laughs> <laughs> People I'm just joking. Out of Nordstrom at the Grove. Yeah, you know what I'm like saying. Stuff. Like that's yeah. not that's that has nothing to do with the person, and, and that's where people- I got to say the white chick. But I had did you ever see the one when the when the newscaster is saying? Yes. Well, maybe she maybe works she's an there. employee. She's, oh, really? Because she was a white lady. That. This is the funniest thing about the white chick. She was walking slow. <laughs> you always see everybody else running, <laughs> trying not to get caught. She was like. This shit fits. Yep. Uh, this yeah, one, yeah. I love that kind she of. She was movie. like, "Yeah, she literally bringing up to herself." <laughs> well, like, there were. I did see video of people walking down the street with bags, mm-hmm. and then lines of cops across the street doing nothing because they were focused on you know whatever else and just letting that go. Like, yeah, man. There's yeah, they could. Vi- they can't do yeah. anything about it. Insurance. There's another video where it's like three cops talking to a white lady while she's spray painting the building, and they're they're oh. Ooh. You literally hear her say, ooh, ooh, you should put George Floyd's name up there. Like, the cop tells her that. Like, uh-huh. they're not doing nothing. It's a white lady. They're not doing nothing to her. Like, they don't say anything wrong. Like, it's... Mm. Those they, are allies. Those police officers. Yeah. <laughs> those are allies. We need them. <laughs> and, and, and that's well, the thing. Like, people are opportunists. Mm. There's another video of a lady, like, literally walking up. This guy's, like, trying to uh, board up his store, and he's got the drill. Mm-hmm. And somebody caught the lady doing it. She runs up to the guy... To ask her, she take a picture with him. He hands her the drill. She's got the drill. Her husband takes a picture of her. They get back in the car and leave. Yeah, it was a Benz too. I yeah. saw that. Yeah, one. it was a Benz. <laughs> I'm like, wait, that what? was the most egregious one because it was so blatant. Like she literally gets out of the Benz, walks up, has to I mean. borrow the guy's drill, yeah. poses with it like she's helping. Yeah, it's the picture. Taken. That's what I says, mean. Thank you. Like, thank who do you. we trust? Yeah. Who do we trust? Like, who do we trust? Like, what's what's the direction? What is real? Yeah, what is real. We, I don't you know, know. We have these incredibly powerful images and videos that are going viral. We're all consuming them. We're trying to make sense of what's happening, and that kind of um, butts up against this insane news cycle where we're not sure what's real and what isn't. It's all very disorienting. Just to find solid ground like yeah. where are we standing and and you know to talk to to you know continue on that idea of of being an ally allyship like how how can like someone like myself be an effective ally um 
first thing I would ask for you, Rich, is to check yourself. You have to check. You have to check for your own because we all have prejudices, mm-hmm. right? Because we're American. We watch Archie Bunker. We watch Jeffersons. We watch Good Times. We watch Sanford and Son. We watch Friends that had no black people until the second to last season. We watched uh, <laughs> <laughs> Curb Review. Like we watch these shows that yeah. kind of um, um, structure our pop culture. So the first thing you got to check yourself for your own um, your own inefficiencies or your own like check who you are. Yeah. And once you check who you are and you check and you check your ego and you check where you believe you are, that's up. That's it. We watch each person to be as strong as that person can possibly be. And if that person really wants to be an ally, they got to make sure that they are okay with what they see too. Mm-hmm. Give an example. I had a friend uh, in Miami and he was cool. He was always with us. And then this girl he liked started dating my brother and he said, she's ruined. I go, what do you mean? Like, he, he doesn't have a big penis. Like, don't don't believe the hype. She was like, no. <laughs> he said, you know, I was like, uh-huh. he's like, no, she's ruined. Like, no other, like, cool white, no other white guy is going to want her after this. And I was mm. like, whoa. So I had to check him. I said, what do you mean by that? He didn't get it. He still to this day probably doesn't. Well, maybe now he does. But mm-hmm. he didn't understand what he meant or what he was feeling. So that's mm-hmm. why I say, check yourself. Yeah. I, I checked myself a thousand times before getting here on what not to say and what to say and how to be um, as direct without anger and with a thought as possible. Because mm-hmm. I do have, a, I grew up in an Italian Jewish neighborhood. My first friends were probably white and black besides my brothers. And Ronnie Rosenbaum is still my one of my best friends. And we check each other constantly, mm-hmm. constantly. And, you know, we'll, we won't even make, well, back in the day, we would make jokes, you know, because it was, yeah. but now we figure out maybe those jokes that we make aren't so good for the psyche either. So I constantly check myself. And that's the first thing I think. Yeah. And I think it also has to be a point where as far as holding yourself accountable, that's huge. And you have to look back and say, damn, I was a part of that too. Like, and being okay with that, not beating yourself up. As an ally, you have to understand like, oh, damn, when they did crack that joke. And every every white person I know, I don't care how much they try to deny it, has heard a family member, a coworker, a friend, whatever it is, when they would know anything anybody else was looking they slipped in the N word and some joke, or or they were being dead serious, telling the parent. Like I posted a a couple of weeks ago about this uh, white girl that was talking to her parents, mm-hmm. and the parents were like, "Well, no, black people want to be in the ghetto. They don't want to succeed. You know, that's 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 their problem." And the white girl's like, "No, that's not the problem." She's like, "Yeah, but they're like animals and this and that. Like th- like this is still going on today." Whoa, you see what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. For people to see that, you have to understand that everybody has to speak up. This little seven, I think she's 17 or something like that. If this 17-year-old girl can speak up, everybody has to speak up. And you have to nip it in the bud. You literally have to 
when you hear something racist, you see something racist, speak up about it. I think people are, we talked about it earlier, are too uncomfortable. Oh, we're talking with Greg outside. Yeah. They're too uncomfortable with being shunned. Like, no, you're not going to be liked by everybody. But at least be, if somebody going to hate you, let them hate you for doing the right thing. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people yeah. like, I, I know that's wrong over there, but I'm not going to say anything because... My family and friends might not talk to me. All right, if those people don't want to talk to you for doing the right thing, fuck them. Like literally, like that—that's showing you their character. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I mean, I think that's an example of egregious, overt racism. Mm-hmm. I think the real, the harder hill to climb and the more pernicious problem is kind word. of what you were speaking to, John. Like the idea word. that that uh, that there are a lot of people most people who who will tell you I'm not racist, you know, right. and I don't have a racist bone in my body and I don't see color. And the blind spot for them and for myself is, is that is the systemic aspect of all of this. Like when you have watched all those television programs yeah. growing up, like I grew up in a white neighborhood. I mean, there, there's, you know, I went to school some, with some black people, but it's like, I'm, I'm not, I didn't, I wasn't reared in black culture, right? And, and so- You were. I wa- well, I was cultural, pop culture, yeah, yeah for sure. sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And sports and all of that. Um, but this has brought up for me the work that I need to do to like unravel that knot and and to kind of identify those those blind spots yeah. that I have within myself. Because you know, I, I would I would look you straight in the eye and say I've never done anything racist. I don't harbor mm-hmm. racist thoughts and all of that. But because of the way I was raised and the people I've surrounded myself my whole life, it's impossible that there isn't some kind of deeply embedded imprint that I need to like look Mm -hmm. at and Mm -hmm. unravel. You said, you said, uh, I said this before a guy said, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I said, no, but you got a racist heart. (laughs) 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 And uh, uh, not you, Rich, not you. What I mean, to give you an example, I grew up in a white neighborhood. You said that. Mm. So you knew. Mm-hmm. Right. You right. knew. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. You grew in a neighborhood that was white. Right. That means yeah. you grew up in a neighborhood that separated you from black people. Right. That's racist. So from the beginning of your being, they separated you from us because of their thought and fear of us. So... When you only know this, when you see this, you only, when you see it, you go, mommy, what's that? They give you the cliff note. Oh, that's them over there. Right. So that starts it. Mm-hmm. That starts racism when they separated you and when they didn't include in the beginning. So that's where it starts. The other part is visualization as a young, young. We, I said this, I said, what needs to be done, nobody wants to do. Right? Everybody wants to be a martyr, but they forget you got to die for <laughs> You got to die for that shit. <laughs> so no one wants to do what needs to be done. And when I say it, I lose so-called followers. I put myself in a position, but this is it. I'm going to say it on your show because I love you. The only way to erase racism is to take the picture of white Jesus out of every church in the world. Mm. If you don't erase the thought of God being white, it's going to constantly stay this way. Mm -hmm. 
every, I was going to post every statue they're taking down with Confederate. They need to go in a black church and take the white Jesus off the wall. And they won't do it mm. because the white Jesus was established across to do exactly what it's doing. But this is what got us to this point. In Brazil, I was in Bahia, Brazil. There's 365 churches in the city of Bahia. This is the first place that they, the first place they did slaves. They bring slaves into Bahia. They they still they they will show you the dances, the capoato. Uh, they will show you the 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 uh, the cells where they bring you up from. It's it's a, it's a whole tour. 365 churches. So every day you can go to a different church and worship Jesus Christ. And every picture in there is white. Mm. There's gold flaking on the wall, people living in the streets. There's, it's always been this way. So in order to stop racism, you have to stop preaching it when it comes to faith and religion. If that's not done, we're going to stay here. Yeah. It's gonna be a little bit of resistance to that. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Did you, uh, in Detroit, yeah. we in Detroit during 1968, when they went in, they painted Madonna black. Uh huh. So it's called the Shrine of the Black Madonna. Well, there's just, back there's just no way Jesus was white. I mean, it's, it's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You, <laughs> you can't tell me that because I I saw him uh, uh, <laughs> in a in picture. The, right in a picture. You know, my whole life he looked like uh, he had he had pretty brown hair. And he looked like Robin Thicke before he's. He was the best-looking German dude I've ever seen, man. A German guy without getting his head. Like, we, it's just not going. And you know, black people will defend that. Like, there's some black churches who yeah. ask this, "Hey, let's take the picture of the white Jesus down." They said no. They said no. It doesn't mean anything. They said it means everything. It means everything because it means that if the Son of God is white, God is white. If the son of John Sally came out white, we would blood test, <laughs> right? So if the son of God is white, God is white. That is establishing that that's the supreme. Right. So where do you get white supremacy? That's the beginning of white supremacy. Super interesting. Yeah. So, did you see uh, Cornell West talking to Anderson Cooper on CNN the other day? Yeah, I love Cornell. Yeah, I mean, what a what a, what an incredible uh, monologuer he is. Yeah. I mean, that was like so powerful. And one of the things he said was, um, "The you know the blowback is coming. Like, make no mistake. Like, there there this is not going to go quietly into the night yeah. and just you know I hope manifest not. you know beautiful change without a lot of resistance to this." Yeah. So you know, how do you think about that? Like, where do you see that coming from, and how do we? you know, prepare for that. I think, I think it's spot on. Like there's, it's so interesting that people want, they want people to be peaceful and protest. They don't mind the cops being aggressive and getting the protesters out of there. But when somebody's murdered, like Dave Chappelle, if he just put out a yeah, did you watch A46? Man, that, that was, I, not, not to get too far off somebody, but I don't think anybody can bring a story together mm. like he can, like with so many different aspects that just tie in together. But it's just like people have to be willing to understand how long we have been quiet. It's like you see all the memes like, well, we try to protest peacefully by taking a knee. Nothing happens. We try to protest peacefully on the street. 
Nothing happens. We try to protest peacefully online. Nothing happens. We burn some shit. Everybody shows up. Mm. Well, damn. All right. Well, now you're showing up. All right. Okay. Well, now you're here. Now let's talk. You know, and I'm I'm with I'm with John on this too. Like, I man, I know people work hard for their business, so I definitely don't want to see that happen. But I also know that sometimes in order to get the point across, shit's gotta go down. Shit's gotta go down. I hate I hate it that it does. I hate it. I hate that. And I wish we could find if we can find another way to get them attention, but then we also gotta look at the setup that comes along with this too. Like nobody ever talks about this. They talk about the random bricks that just show up all the time right. for people to throw. But has anybody ever tripped off? Why is there always a random fucking cop car for like the extra scene on Street Fighter? Remember you just beat up the cop car and you get all these extra points? Like it's just always an empty cop car for everybody to burn up mm. and spray paint and beat the hell out of. When on a like normal a, like day- a, Like a prop for a photo op. Like, like a prop. So like, that we can say that this is out of control. Exactly. When on a normal day, have you ever just seen a random cop car on the street? With the windows down. With the windows down. No <laughs> cop around. No cop. Hey, you, uh, I tell you this. No one likes the truth. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. it's a hard thing when you got to yeah. go in yourself and check yourself. And you know how, how many times I had to check myself if I wasn't being a house Negro or a field Negro? Yeah. I had to check myself I wasn't being house. Mm -hmm. I use the word Negro because it hits a little different but <laughs> and do you think that's why the uh, the 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 NFL players acted the way they did with the Kaepernick thing I they were scared of their they, job they yeah. would they yeah. were they and you had over owners telling you if you do it you out mm. we're finding you this and what do you think about what Goodell just said well i i i'm uh, i got a text from Joe, uh Drew Brees i i text Drew Brees as soon as it happened did you try i said let me help you through this let me explain it to you and then he sent back a wonderful text saying, sorry, I didn't get back to you. Obviously, I've been inundated. But, yo, I apologize. I had to recheck what I was saying, what I meant. Mm -hmm. I said it the wrong time. But I now know where I was wrong. I was like, perfect. Uh, I love what Goodell, I love Goodell. I love what Goodell said. And I think he should say, we should do this now. And we should pay more attention. I think he's stepping up and saying that. Great. I'm glad he did. Um talking about giving people their jobs back and all that, all he can do is apologize for mistakes. But right now, Kyrie Irving is telling guys when they're trying to get the NBA season to start back in Orlando, he's saying, I don't no. think we should be playing basketball right now. Yeah. And then if the ball play, if the black ball players don't back Kyrie Irving, I'm telling it's you. Gonna, he's going to get mar pushed out, marginalized. No. The ones who don't follow Kyrie Irving are the ones who are going to get pushed out. They're going to get pushed out from our community because I'm going to make sure of it. Mm. Those who don't join the fight, if you ain't with us, you're against us. George W. Bush. <laughs> well, the Drew Brees thing, <laughs> back to the Drew Brees thing. I mean, that, that whole situation kind of perfectly encapsulates so much, right? Mm -hmm. Here's a guy who just said absolutely the worst possible thing he could ever say in that moment. And it, it was just... <sighs> Looking at that thing, I was just thinking, how could he, like what was going through his mind that he thought that was the right thing to do? Grew up in a white neighborhood. I will give him- My point yeah, to Yeah, and then he got, <laughs> I mean, the whole world put him on blast. The internet yeah. just went insane. Yeah. Um, I will give him credit that he did a pretty good job with his apology. Like he really, he didn't just walk it back and do kind right. of like that, you know. The textbook, he, yeah. the apology. Like yeah. he, you could tell he put a lot of thought into it. And I do think it's important in this moment where there's a breakdown in civil discourse and we're finding it more and more difficult to actually just have 
hard conversations where you, John Sally, can say you could speak your mind, you could speak your truth. That's why I love. We need, we need to have. We need to have this. Like no, regardless of your opinion or whether we disagree or or not, like that is the path forward here. Mm-hmm. And right now, our culture is so fraught, and everybody's so terrified of saying the wrong thing that a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines and and remaining quiet in a moment where I think we need to be conversing in mm-hmm. public out loud. And when you see Drew Brees and what he did, we need to understand that when someone makes a mistake like that, that we have to provide them the opportunity to redeem themselves. We right. can't just cancel them forever. Like if we wanna grow and learn from this moment right now, we have yeah. to be able to celebrate the wins and figure out how to fan the flames of positive change without just the you know shoving aside of the people who don't Cancel fall culture. into line with whatever yeah. talking points are right. deemed socially acceptable in the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think and I think that really... speaks to all aspects of this problem from mm-hmm. all different. And I think, I think, and I believe in cancel culture is used too much, but I do believe sometimes it is needed. Like, like I would say this: if Breeze's speech was one speech but his interview if, if what he would have said was straight hateful and you knew it was a hateful tone then that was different you know what I'm saying then just then mm-hmm. just apologizing that shit just doesn't work you know I think we got to stop doing that too as black people like well he apologized even though he said I hate fucking black people and he apologized right, that is later. different you know what I'm saying <laughs> like yeah. but we we got situations like that where people literally been hateful and but then they start looking at their money, their dollar, and they're like, "Oh, I need to go apologize." They don't apologize because that's the right thing to do. Because you uh-huh. probably wouldn't have said the first thing in the first place. Yeah. Let me give you a little history. George Wallace was the governor of Alabama when that walk across Selma Bridge happened, and he wanted he wanted exactly what happened when they crossed the bridge, people getting beat, yeah. mm-hmm. everything to when the president had to send the National Guard in to tell him not to kill these black folks. He then had a stroke when he got older and his nurse was black and literally saving his life every day. And he apologized and all these black people put their hands on Mm. him. I got it in the Jet magazine. And my mom's made sure. I said, "You see, some people you can you can you can go back and realize it's gonna come back the one day, the people that you heard are gonna come back, and the ones you're gonna you're gonna need." And I thought about it. I like all of these guys. I love what Drew said. Yeah. I like that they came back, and I like that when people, like you said, get a chance to redeem themselves. But he would not have said that if he didn't grow up thinking Mm -hmm. the other way. That's why you having us on this show, me in particular, only being my second time, but don't worry about it. Um, It's only my second time. Yeah, it's some bullshit. (laughs) Come back anytime. Last, we were joking before the podcast, so the first time you came in, you just, you got up in the middle and said you had to go pick up your daughter. I did? Yeah, you remember that? Oh yeah, man, so she was uh, (laughs) right down the street from your crib too. Anyway, yeah, I was having a rough you. daughter time. That uh, yeah, ooh, you in yeah, trouble? Yeah, I know. My man. daughter flipped out from fourteen to sixteen, like tripped. 
I was looking around. I was like, whose I'm in a, house did I'm you I'm in a little in? bit of that right now. Yeah, man. I was like, hormones and penises will do some crazy things. <laughs> My, mine's only four, so I'm just I'm enjoying the ride right yeah, now. Yeah, don't wait till she starts smelling guys from a distance. <laughs> he smells cute. Jesus Christ, what was going on? I wanted to write a book just on raising daughters. They would've, I would have got killed, but man, it would have been tough. All right, but I stepped on your point. Yeah, man. It's just... You, we do. We can't do the cancel culture, and people do make mistakes. And black people always, always forgive. forgive. Just remember that. Don't, don't ever think that they hate me. They're never gonna get a black people. And the reason I tell you the George Wallace thing is because he was the most hateful guy. He was so mad that the University of Alabama put the. Mm. It was so funny in Forrest Gump. When they talked about putting the football players and Bear Bryant was like, I don't care what you're saying, you know, I'm putting them on the field. Yeah. He was so hateful. But when it came down to when his life depended on it, it was only black people around him. There was no white folks around him. Mm -hmm. And he apologized and he apologized, apologized. And and I want y'all to realize that when you make those apologies and they're heartfelt, black people will put their arm around you. And it can't be a one-time apology. Yeah, it, Like, you it might will. have to apologize yeah. for the rest of your fucking life, but be okay with it. Well, that's that. in his mama house. The mama nah, house would be like, remember I'm, that time? Yeah, but <laughs> but I'm saying, though, because because the thing is, you might have put out a press release, you might have put out something saying you apologize now, but that don't mean everybody else heard it right then. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, but we'll, we'll circulate as all the negativity. So if, if it comes down like Drew Brees talking about, you know, disrespecting the flag... All right, you put out the press release, you know, basically saying, I'm sorry that I shouldn't have done that. But that doesn't mean just because you got over it that the other person got over it that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. So you might have, it's just like, I mean, if you're in a, a relationship. Start, it's, it's a starting point. Yeah, if you're in a relationship and line. you mess up, you might have to apologize for the rest of that relationship. And if you plan on having a relationship with black people, you might have to apologize over and over and over. Or... Make the living amends. It's about the exactly. behavior. Yeah. It's about and, your and behavior. Your attention to how, you is change, gonna, how is he yeah. going to change his behavior? Because the proof is, forward. I mean, and I hate people say this, it's not in the pudding for everybody out there. It's not proof is in the pudding. It's proof is in the put in. But people oh, in America mess that up. That sounds the whole like quote. some crazy badass vegan quote. Yeah, yeah that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been stealing it. Yeah, I've been writing t shirts down every time I'm around this, by the way. I know. But the proof is in the put in. It's actually what you put hey, in. Hey, I got to go get my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's what and as I, soon and as that, you're talking too much exactly. like, yeah, 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 yeah. if I sign on me I'm done well, no, I, mean, I gotta like, give my like, daughter I, I tell people all the time like that, that's like my mentor my older brother for real anyway so like a lot of times I've been around him his almost most of your life I didn't life. know that I mean right? I knew you guys knew Long each time, other yeah. I didn't know I didn't how know. old were you when I, when I first was your camp counselor <laughs> Don't listen to this shit. How old were you? How old were you? <laughs> this sounds, sounds like a messed up story coming but to no, How old were you? <laughs> I, didn't say, I didn't say in the boys' home. <laughs> I didn't say in the boys' home, oh. the juvenile home you were in. I didn't mention nah, man, that. We, we've known each other about 10 years. Mm. About 10 years, I would say. Um, it's funny, though. I wore his jersey number when I was a kid, though. Oh, really? I was a fan. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know he was fucking crazy back then, but <laughs> I, I, I was a fan. <laughs>
You know, I used to have my own sneaker, right? And um, I, I was like one of the first guys. I didn't know that, but like, of course you did. I, my brother, yeah. my brother was on it, and so it was called Osaga, and we sold it at uh -huh. Kenny Shoe Stores because we thought, yeah, we we only sell them for forty dollars, so people can afford that, right? Yeah. Same Marbury mentality. They don't cost that much to make. Yeah. And uh, and I somebody says, yo, man, I pay Osagas, and I swear. I don't know if it's because I started smoking weed 20 years ago. I was like, what the hell is an Osaga? <laughs> <laughs> so when people would say, like, I was a fan. I, go, a fan she was Osaga. I got so I many businesses, basketball. I don't even remember that one. I was like, oh, I used to play basketball. That's right. Um, <laughs> I couldn't imagine jumping and hitting somebody. And my knees right now just tweaked <laughs> even thinking about really? it. All that self-care? Rich. Rich, you I was playing this guy like this. CBD? I was playing this cool kid, uh -huh. and this kid did a move, and he went around me. He went around me so fast, and my legs didn't move, which used to be just, <laughs> uh -huh. you know, it's instinct. like instinct. He went around me so fast this way. I had to look this way. <laughs> this <way. laughs> I said, I looked at my legs. Uh -huh. I said, that's 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 what we're doing. Is it? Is it? Man. And my wife was like, "What happened? My legs don't work anymore." She goes, "Do your How legs long hurt?" That? I was like, "Huh? How long ago?" Uh, it was ten years ago. Mm. Now. I, I'm 56 now. I'm 46. Mm. I knew. That's why I couldn't understand. Kareem played. He was 42. Robert Paris, Kobe yeah. playing to its. I could not imagine playing 20 years in the league. It to me right now when I see people like when I you still run, yeah. <sighs> I wish I could still. I got some back stuff that I'm working on. Yeah. I got some. What kind of products you got for me? Oh, man, I got some unbelievable. <laughs> I would mention I would mention one company, but they didn't do the deal yet, Quanta. Um, uh, <laughs> Put a little pressure yeah, on. Yeah, a little pressure Yeah, um, but definitely, I, I wish my legs still worked the same. There, yeah. There's another company, too, that same thing. I was working on something with them. Didn't go through. But the shit works though. Like, I, they actually got me thinking about playing ball again. Like, mm. my knee. Canavera? I had surgery on both knees. No, um, I don't even know if I want to say them. Oh. They cool right. people, though. Yeah, but I put something on, <laughs> right. and I was like, hey, I can, let's go for a run. My yeah. wife was like, well, I don't want to hear you for five days. She goes, the Peloton's over there. Mm. I was like, oh, man, you know. Yeah. You ride the no, Peloton? Yeah. I said, nah. And they, and they, walked, they came in the house and said, uh, guess what? This works for your height, and this we have another seven footer, so no excuses. And here's some 15s. Uh -huh. I was like, damn, mm. I gotta do this thing. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, I, I tried swimming again. Yeah, that was great. That was great. But and see, and you just destroyed the myth about a black person yeah. being able to swim. I, uh, my mother yeah. made me learn how to swim and ice skate and read. <laughs> To swim, I ice skate, I like to see ice your stroke <laughs> in the pool. Oh, yeah. You know uh, who was a really good swimmer? Shaquille. Shaquille is swims. Is he? Yeah. Like, that was no his. No way. Yeah, man. And then he can get that. out of the thing and act like a wow. like a whale and <laughs> fly back in the water. Uh -huh. He's like a great swimmer. And I was like, oh, I got this man. pool. I'm going to go swimming again. Oh, that shit is hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's good, swimming. Oh, uh, Al Alpen Organics is the uh, name. Oh, of mm. But they, they got a CBD cream that, like... Like, put it this way. I was at like an 8 or 10 with my knees. Pain. And I'm easily at a 0 to 2 now. Wow. And anybody ever, that's been through an 8 to 10 pain, 
will take zero to two yeah. in a heartbeat. Now, That's mind impressive. you, it's got me wanting to go play ball again, but probably the first time I step on the court, my knees mm. are going to be like, no, nah, mm. this is not what this is for. I can't even shoot a hook shot. I, I tried it. I went on my court the other day, <laughs> and I said, I'm just, you know Come what? On. I'm just going to do some, so I'm not going uh, to jump that much. You have a court much. at your house? Yeah. I'm mm. not going to jump that much. I'm just going to do this. Man, I took about six shots. I was like, Phew. I need to hit the bowl with my puppy. It's <laughs> like, this um, is crazy. All right, let's shift gears here. Yeah. I want to talk about the doc. Can we talk about the doc? Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. justice. Yeah. Um, you want to so, give me a new name? Yeah, you're going to, uh, yeah, we're building up to it. <laughs> we're building up to I it. I want to hear yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you partnered up with, uh, with our boy, Keegan, who's mm-hmm. um, the guy behind What the Health and Cowspiracy. Um, tell us a little bit about this movie. I mean, you guys are still in production. This yeah, is- yeah, yeah. Well, we were scheduled to be done shooting in June, but with the pandemic and everything, mm. um, we had to put it back. So we're focused on releasing it by the end of the year. Uh, the film is about social justice and food justice through the lens of hip hop. Um, our current, uh, you know, if anybody's seen What the Health, this is like the official follow-up to What the Health. Um, and we've, John's in the movie, uh, Neo, Maya, Styles P, Stick from Dead Prez, Waka Rory, mm-hmm. Waka Flocka. Waka, we talked, but he didn't. He didn't want to do it. Mm. We did talk about it, but uh, you know, and that's cool. Like I, I know it's not for everybody. Like some, because we go very in depth in this, and we're calling out major brands, major government, all kinds of stuff. Wow. And sometimes it's just everybody don't want to talk about it. So I get it. I don't hold it personal when nobody doesn't want to be in the documentary or anything like that. Um, but but it's, it's, it's like the idea is it's addressing food injustice and mm-hmm. like nutritional poverty in the in mm-hmm. the African And showing American also community. like how certain foods literally are detrimental to the health of people of color. I mean, just li- like science has pro- shown it. Uh all these lab tests, everything, and then the government still allows it to be sold. And one one of the one of the greatest stories I saw was that we were looking at an advertisement from either one of the major uh, baby formula companies, and in the and they showed him handing it to me in the movie, and he's handing it to me, and I'm reading it, and it literally says, "Mother's breast milk is not sufficient for the growth of, of babies." So you're telling people, which is targeted to people of color, that they're the, the thing that that that, uh, that nature has gave been you. Cre- creating humans since humans were a thing. That's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. That's why you need this baby formula uh-huh. that's full of fucking cow's milk that's detrimental to people of color already. So seventy percent of all uh, allergies are related to the ingestion of uh, animal milk, uh, lactose, lactose intolerance. So if you starting them off with that, you're not even giving them breast milk. Like people don't even know how much DNA is transferred to a baby from their mother's breast milk. Not even from your mother's breast milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just another human. Yeah, another human. Yeah, wow. and and when you and when you dial it back to the actual mother, the mother actually the breast milk actually will change its formula formula to fit what the baby needs. And that's how crazy science is. They're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't do that. We got to figure it out. We got this product here for you. Yeah. We need to lessen we need to lessen the male African. Exactly. Re- and then, reproduction. Mm. 
Yeah. That's you. You can say it. Yeah, Tell them yeah. what you want to say. Nope. We are on the show. The deal is they put <laughs> foods in. The reason I got involved is the first, the first title was they killing us. Literally spelled in ebonics. Yeah. They killing us. Yeah. Not they are. Not uh-huh. there. Not maybe. They are. Without saying that, they killing us. Yeah. That's why I was like, keep that title. Mm, because yeah. it literally means something more than just it's ebonic. It's the it's way really, I just said it is black yeah. American. Period. Yeah, but they changed it. <laughs> Hungry for justice. Hungry for justice. But now the official title of the film is they're trying to kill us. Uh huh. That's the official title. But not of the they. Film. Not they are. No, it's yeah. They're they're mm. trying to kill us. They are trying to kill us. Which and that's what they're showing. That's what we're showing. Like. This whole system is set up to where you're you're eating this certain food and it's going to lead to these multiple different either ailments, diseases, whatever. And then when that happens, now you have to go get this pill. If the pill doesn't work long enough because none of the pills say that they cure anything. They say help you deal with this with the uh symptoms. With the symptoms of. So it's duct tape. Like if mm-hmm. you notice there's nothing out there. Any of these commercials, they'll give you 85 side effects, may cause anal leakage and all this other shit, but your headache's gone. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so they start talking about all these different things. And if that doesn't work, guess what? Now you need the surgery. Now the surgery's $30,000. And after the surgery, guess what you got to do? You got to take some more pills to deal with the lack of whatever we cut out of you. Right. Because you can't produce it anymore yourself. Or what they don't talk about is right over here, we got this food that you could just eat that's like grown from the mm. ground and will prevent all talk, this. talk a little bit about how this impacts um, black and African-American communities disproportionately from other communities. Because well, could you make that argument that that would be the case, whoever the customer is? Yeah, you could say that that is the case. But what we've noticed is uh, proportionally that grocery stores are not spread around the country evenly. Mm-hmm. So you look at lower income communities, they'll have a bodega maybe. They'll maybe have a, a gas station. And what we've noticed is that people call it food deserts. It's not really food deserts. It's nutrition deserts. It's food there, but where's the nutrition in it? Mm. You know, you got a pack of peanuts that's got 18 ingredients in it when all it needs is just peanuts. You know, it's it, what you get to see is that these people in these certain demographics are predominantly people of color. So yeah, you might have, and you get people with the, you know, the outlying factor, like, yeah, there are some white people that live in this community, Mm -hmm. but predominantly it's people of color. So that's what they're showing. And that's what we're showing is that you're starting off already in a negative playing field. Right. You know, they're already, let's say you're climbing to the top of the mountain. We gave him a, a five-hour head start, and we gave him shoes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, you get up that mountain, too, you catch him. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many things across the board without giving the whole movie away. But, um, you know, like, for instance, we're in, we're in L.A. right now. If people want to really see the, the difference, I want them to go to Beverly Hills and tell me the address of the McDonald's in Beverly Hills. And if somebody actually gives you the address of McDonald's in Beverly Hills, they're fucking lying because there's not one. 
There's not one McDonald's in Beverly Hills. You won't find. I didn't it even in Beverly know that. Hills. I didn't even know that. And the four Beverly Hills is four point four miles wide, supposedly like mm. that. You won't find a McDonald's. You won't find a Popeyes. You won't find. And one car and one one um <clears throat> one gasoline store, and it's the highest gasoline in the world in the country. Uh huh. Oh, that fancy one with the fancy roof. W- yeah. And yeah, they, I know what you mean. People still yeah, come yeah. up and yeah. work on your car. Uh huh. So that's where you get to see where. They know what they're doing. They're putting things in certain areas to feed the the white America and the people of color. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just because you like, like what we try to say, like hey, that doesn't mean you're racist. That you've been a part of this this matrix for so long. It's like no, but once you realize it, <coughs> that's what are you that speaks do about to it? the systemic aspect of exactly. all of this. That's that, that like aspect. sort of reinforces this this um, you know the disproportionate outcomes. I mean, when you look at Black Americans and the incidence of diabetes and obesity, and I mean, it's, it, and you compare, you line that up against white populations, mm-hmm. and it's pretty shocking. And it's what we've been taught. We've been conditioned to believe that we have to eat these certain foods. We've been conditioned to believe that we will have these certain ailments and these certain diseases, but nobody's coming to tell us, you know, that's actually preventable over there. You mm-hmm. don't have to get this mm-hmm. shit. You know what I'm saying? But we think we got to have a certain way to eat. We got to, and most of that stuff, if you trace it back start off with slavery as well. So you were given this food, and one thing about black people, we will turn anything you give us into gold. If you give us a fucked up situation, we're gonna make the best of it. The problem is, is that we're still holding on to that fucked up situation every time we eat these certain foods, and it's still keeping us in the system. The one thing is there's a loophole. There's a loophole, like the good food that's available out there is available for everybody, but they make you see a dollar hamburger and you think that that's a better value. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you can get more fruits and vegetables for the week mm-hmm. under a certain budget than you would if you were to go buy a steak and all these processed stuff. But you're, <clears throat> part of the deal is it's fast food. Mm-hmm. And in our community, usually parents work more than one job. Yeah. And it has been a lot of times where it's been single parent home, either single mom or single dad, um, uh, mostly mom. So mom doesn't have the time or the wherewithal to go get those vegetables, make it into a meal, unless they're Ethiopian. If they're Ethiopian, they know what to do with the lentils mm-hmm. and the corn. And you, you're trained that way. Mm-hmm. But in America... We're trained. Here, take some money. Go get your, you and your sister something to eat and come back. Well, go five dollars. Go. And whatever you can get for five dollars is going to be your food for the night. And the food that you're getting is not food, so it doesn't digest, but it swells your stomach. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're getting no nutrients and you're getting no strength, then you have no ability to fight. If you got no ability to fight, you would have no ability to reproduce. If you have no ability to reproduce. They lessen uh, your sperm count. They add tons of um, obesity has gone, so your self-esteem has dropped. And there's crime on the street, so you can't leave your house. (laughs) So this is constantly put into a situation to make us fight amongst ourselves while being sick. Mm. And that's, that's where it comes into is why... Like you said, I did it and why we had to put better restaurants. But I'm going to get an argument from somebody no matter what. <laughs> right. When they were like, Sal, I mean, I was talking to Shaq and he was like, 
so I shouldn't eat fried chicken. Mm. Right. And I was like, nah, you know, the the and you eating the skin too, and and there's an oil and it's gonna get into you. So okay, I saw you telling the, you telling black people not to eat chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. That's, that's it. But but his film is gonna hit, like he said. Mm. He's gonna get sued a lot. Mm. He's gonna get sued a lot. I won't get sued. But I think, I think your boy sued, knows. I think your boy gonna, is smart. He'll yeah, know yeah, what to, yeah, yeah. how to Keegan get around. Keegan knows how to stir it up. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He's, yeah. he's we, proven we, that a couple and times And we've got already. a collective effort here. Like, we, I mean, it's funny. I talk to him every day. Like, every day. And we always are coming up with, like, brainstorming ideas. Like, ooh, shit, let's do this. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's do this. Oh, because, you know, when they see this, they're going to be pissed. Perfect, because we right. want people. Because he's a punk, our goal. He's a, his punk rock thing. Exactly, man, exactly. Up, you know, our our goal. <laughs> and this is the thing too. For everybody out there, I don't want people to think that Keegan is running this film. I don't know why people think. Like I had somebody. If I were you, I would let them think that because when they get sued, let them sue. <laughs> <his ass. Yeah. laughs> but like, that's the lawyer yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had somebody. Uh, they disagree with one of my posts. Like I was like, you know, like all these vegan corporations that and organizations. That are that reached out to me about like, hey, we need to promote the black people, but now you're silent. I'm like, fuck y'all. Like, like I'm I'm being honest. Like, no, fuck y'all. And they're like, ooh, I hope Keegan sees this and he drops him from the film. I'm like, yeah. I was like, first of all, Keegan reposted this. Yeah, shit. he's totally on board with that <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, he's totally on board with that. And second of all, I'm like, that plays into the whole mindset of like, well, I'll go report to the white guy. That mm. the black guys over here acting up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. the mentality that comes with that is crazy. That's wild. Yeah, man. It's, but it's so... You are many, a troublemaker. Though. I am yeah. a troublemaker. I, I am. But but I'm only a troublemaker because people don't want to hold on to the old fake shit. Mm. You're you know a troublemaker. Yeah. Mm. Like, if, you know, like... Well, I mean, vegan Instagram's a shit show right the, the now. Truth, the truth the only hurts so much if you live in a lie. That's the truth. Yeah, that's what like, I said. If you live in a lie, the truth is gonna fucking hurt. You know what I heard yesterday? What? Oh my God. It was the greatest, uh, greatest thing. There was a guy heckling and saying something. And he said, Don't worry about him. He goes, No. He goes, you know what? If you throw a brick at a bunch of at a pack of dogs, only the one that gets hit by the brick howls. So the only the people that get upset exactly. right. are the mm-hmm. ones who are going to say something about what you're doing. Exactly. The ones that the brick hits, the one that yeah. hits them, then they have something, they got something to howl for. Like I say, I, I say it all the time. I was like, look, I don't, I might put the shoe out there, but I don't name the name of the shoe. I don't even say what size it is, but it's always some motherfucker coming along saying the shoe fits. Mm-hmm. And if the shoe fits, you wear it. Like that's fine with me. But I don't name out anybody, I name out the actions. And I'm like, if you fit these actions, mm. that's you. So we have no sponsors for the for the. <laughs> we're done with sponsors. <laughs> no, Jesus Christ! To, that's to, where the Kickstarter somebody comes Somebody needs to yeah. take well, over we, your we Twitter, do, Donald we do, Trump. We do have the. <laughs> give it, give it here. You're killing we, us. Uh, we do have a we do have a um, a crowdfunding going on for the film, and it's to to make sure that people are involved in the film even more than what they are. You because, remember the name of it? Mm. What is it? The crowdfunding. Uh, it's going to be on our on our website. They're trying to kill us. dot com. They're trying to kill us. They're trying to kill us. That website up right now. Yeah, it's up. It's uh, it's up. I'll well, it'll be up by the time you put the show, the show up. Notes. How yeah, we spell yeah, yeah. it? How we spell it? Uh, they, they are. They are. They are. T h e y, r e. There's no apostrophe on websites. Everybody. By the time this movie comes out, I yeah. think John's going to win this argument. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I said it when he yeah. said it. It was a footnote. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so, but it's so funny. Um, has anybody made a nutrition-focused documentary about the black and African no. communities, people of color communities. Well, there, in there was one called The Invisible Vegan. I don't want to uh-huh. I don't want to leave her out. Yeah, it was it's on Amazon. vegan or otherwise, just like yeah. get healthy. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I think before her, I don't think anybody else really made one to focus yeah. on people of color, and it's so That's needed because it's just. I don't think anybody was in a position to make it mm-hmm. at the same time. Like I just, I've been fortunate to be able to in a position where, you know, Keegan, we've been friends for a long time. And he asked me, he was like, man, I want to do a, a film, man, I, with you. Because he's seen my work and other stuff I've done, social justice and always speaking up and doing speeches. And he's like, let's work together. He's like, I want to I want to reach a different demographic. I was like, well, you know, like, let's let's go for the people of color. Like, they need us. He was like, yeah, but I don't know how. I was like, hip hop. Like, my first mm-hmm. idea was like hip hop. I was like, hip hop runs everything. Like... And I say, it's if you ever powerful wanna, cultural force in the universe, if you ever, if you ever want to understand how strong hip hop is, say if you close your eyes, you can see a bunch of six foot white guys on skates with Jay Z playing in the background, and you just talked about the NHL. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's how powerful it is. The the biggest hip hop green. Yeah, hip hop is green. But you know, look at the biggest uh, Broadway show right now. Yeah. Hip hop infused, mm. you know what I'm oh, saying. So infused. it's like, so what about yeah. unhealthy vegans? Though, are we uh, are we only talking about the black unhealthy vegans, or like when you say nutrition, uh, like what are, what are we what are we what point are we getting? Well, we are trying to get people to be healthy. That's the that's the thing. Like there's there's a big confusion of like veganism and healthy veganism. Like there there are some vegan products out there that taste like burger, taste like cheese, taste like that. And sure, in moderation, but what we're trying to do is get people to be vegan for health. It was about, in, it was about healing. In, in your movie, uh, you know, what is the path forward? Like, what are the solutions that you're, for, you know, providing people with? That's, that's one of the biggest things is I wanted to be solution-based with the movie. Um, that's one of the biggest things I told Keegan. So one of them is uh, we're working on... Uh, actual programs, like more learning programs afterwards. Uh, We're showing them how to eat within the movie, showing them where to get fruits and vegetables, where to get uh, nuts, legumes, and rice, whatever it kind of be, but how to put it together um, that's beneficial to them as well. Mm. Like, we also, I don't want them to feel like, all right, we gave you this problem, but we didn't show you how to take care of yourself. Um, Showing them, like, a lot of the different uh, studies and everything showing how the reversal of all these diseases can be incorporated with this plant-based eating, uh, vegan eating, whatever the case is. Um, one of the biggest things too is like we we were working on a, a actual meal plan, like actual product mm-hmm. to be very affordable. So I, you know we do see that like a lot of the vegan items are out of the price range for a lot of people. Um, I actually had some talks with. A store brand, Whole Foods, if you're listening. Let's get that going. But we were working on um, having it to where people who watch the film, they could get these meal plans from Whole Foods at an affordable rate. Uh And also have them delivered since before the pandemic, you know, delivery was still a thing with Whole Foods and having it delivered to them. Because when I had a meeting with Whole Foods, I told them, I was like, you know, you can build a Whole Foods in the hood Right next door to a mom with six kids. 
and she's still not coming. Because for her to get all six kids in the car, get them ready, or even if it's a dad, I don't mm-hmm. want to sound the wrong way, whoever, a parent, a single parent with kids, for them to get them in the car, get them over there, get them there. But now if we provide a solution where we're literally putting it on the doorstep for them, this is already made. All you got to do is heat it up. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not, this is not like a business. Just making issue. it as easy as possible, Just right? And, and like expanding possible. the perimeter, the delivery perimeter exactly. also, because those whole foods are far away. And, and um, we're talking about Amazon. They are, you know, they have the capability to reach everybody. They're already delivering. Like, why not have it to where they give it to mm-hmm. them there? And I'm, I mean, while it's, I have been in talks with other stores as well, so it, if it does work out with Whole Foods, it's going to work out. Right. Well, but, whatever the solution is, it, it's got to be, Convenient, convenient, affordable, yeah. you know, easy, and there has to be an education piece yeah. to it. And there's right? an education piece where yeah. I actually show them, like, hey, if you don't want us to make stuff, here's also stuff that you can do at home on your own, get the kids involved. Because I think that's a big thing, too, is, like, we don't involve our kids in the, in the process of making our food. Uh-huh. So when the food is on their table, like, why would you give me this? You know, right. and so now it's, like, involving the whole family, if they have time. Because we also know, like you said, you got single parents or whatever, working two, three jobs. I was raising a single family household. You know, my mom was working her ass off because she was a manager for uh, Bell South or Pacific Bell, but it was Southwestern uh-huh. Bell where we were. And as a black person in the 80s, as a managing role, a black lady at that, she was putting in extra hours that the white guy that worked under her wasn't even putting in mm-hmm. because she had to show that she was capable of this job. Right. So, you know, I ate chicken damn near every night because it was frozen chicken from Sam's Club. Yeah. It was easy. I unplugged uh, my microwave. Yeah. <clears throat> Told my daughters it was broke. <laughs> and they found out. <laughs> but uh, And then one day I just started putting, Koya Webb taught me, I just put a whole bunch of dishes in there. So when they went to use it, it was already, they didn't <laughs> They're too lazy. Yeah. They were too lazy to do it. Yeah. yeah. I made them. That was all it to took. Cook. Just put some dishes yeah, in there yeah. and just all never got used had, again. Yeah, they had to learn how to cook. And I was, uh, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad teaching. It's it's a trip. It's a thing that hasn't been around. My mother made me learn how to do everything. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I can't wait for your movie to come out. It's exciting, man. Yeah. Thank you. It's exciting. I know like COVID has like pushed it back a little bit. Yeah. I, know you got some I want to retape because I got reviews. more muscles now. now that yeah. I've, been, I've, been, I've been able to work out. I'm, I'm framing my body back. I think I was really soft in that. <laughs> I think my body was soft. I, I um, want my body stronger. The power that a document like that holds to really shift culture is is super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And that and it's where look, you know, the whole vegan thing, the vegan movement, it's so super whitewashed, you know, it's this super. like you know, aspiration of like the well-healed and yeah. you know, that needs to get that narrative needs to get shifted. And, you know, the fact that you're doing that is... But you know, what I found out um, when, um, and I'm going to say it this way, when white folks are vegan and are into natural um, way of eating, they are more empathetic and they understand slavery. What I mean by that, they don't know it directly, but they don't want the animals enslaved. And they will understand the horrific treatment of animals and that black folks at one time were submitted to the same level and still considered that, that it's a better feeling when I'm around vegans than I'm around a flesh eater. When I'm around a flesh eater, you know, 
they still think, well, I can take my gun and go shoot yeah. a deer and then I'm cool. And I go, why don't you go hunting with it? Everybody got a gun. Right. <laughs> Let's see how like good you are. Yeah, they call hunting a sport. It's like, no, a sport yeah. is yeah. when all parties involved know right. they're a part of the game. Yeah. Like, the animal doesn't have a fucking clue. Yeah. Let, give <laughs> give when that you, When you think about it, the the overlap between, you know, how I would like to think about myself approaching this situation and my, you know, how I think about veganism, I mean, there's a huge overlap, right? This is mm-hmm. about, like, compassion. It's about you know, being open to new ideas. It's about, um, you know, challenging your assumptions and, un, you know, sort of undoing some of that programming. Like we, right. none of us were born vegan. We, we lived a certain right. way and ate a certain way. We made a change. And, you know, I, I would like to believe that it's made me a more compassionate person. Um, but it has been interesting to kind of watch how the vegan community is grappling with what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some are doing it well and some are not. And that's disheartening to me because this is about compassion. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that everybody can, you know, think about that a little bit in terms of like how they're communicating yeah. and navigating yeah. what's happening. Yeah, and I think I, I think also it's just that one thing that I saw that was kind of like, kind of weird is that how you'll see vegans compare modern day agriculture, animal agriculture to slavery. It's like, well, if you speak that way, then why wouldn't you speak up for the descendants of that same slavery? Like, mm. like that's the funny thing. Like, they feel like they can't speak up about it. Oh, no, we only speak up for the animals. It's like, yeah, but if you are going to use slavery as your your speaking note, then you got you can't be hypocritical about it. Now you have to remember, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I see that so many times across the board. They'll use that so fast. It's like modern-day slavery. Mm. Okay, well, then if it's modern-day slavery, you understand how powerful slavery was and how it trickled down and how the effects can still be here. Mm-hmm. But you don't say anything. That's you know? it. We, we on Rich Roll now. They got to say it. He's going to edit this shit with, <laughs> with about 15 minutes yeah. of sponsors in the front. Well, and he's going to let me, us somebody roll. Will, somebody will figure out how to put I me still on do blast. Go yeah, 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 yeah. But Rich, yeah. no bullshit. I do have to I know, and I was going to wrap this up anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it. Now, that was my thing. I'm going to just keep going and tell Jonas to pull the plug. <laughs> so, no, stop that all lives anyway. matter no, shit. I'm, a, um, I'm an empty nester. My, my yeah. kids are away. That's and true. it's just me, my wife, and my puppy. And I was like, Beautiful. hey, what's your name? She goes, my name is Natasha. I've been married to you for 29 years. I was oh, I, just, I was wondering who this redhead was in the house. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I and really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm trying, man. That's right. I gave it to you. Yeah. All right. Official? Official. All the way from Killer Mike to um, me your, to your you. Your membership card is in the mail. It should get here within the You know it's going to be late. Because I'm going to flash that thing. You know it's going to be late, Coach. Let's go with the stereotype. It's going to be late. And it might have a little bit of barbecue. Awesome. <laughs> we're going to do some stereotyping. Right. Oh, do wait. It. So I, I want to speak about this. This is good. So anybody can do the research. So I was, I found out today that they, when you talk about the, the trickle down effect of racism and how it's just been in place for so long. So, you know, the ice cream man, you know, the truck, when it comes around and it has that song playing in the background. So there was a song that that actually came from. And in the lyrics, it was like, niggers love watermelon in the song. So it is, it's a post-up right now. And they actually, it was recorded for Columbia Records in like 1926 or 36. I think Get it. 21. Really? And, and, 21. 
Maybe 21, yeah. Maybe. So they, you can find the song and the, vid- the video that went along with it is like this gray and white cartoon depiction of blackface. And these, like, they're showing them being excited about um, eating watermelon, excited about being at home. It's just, so it's like those little things, they, they turn that, and of course, they made it like an instrumental out of it. But that shows you how long shit has just been thrown into black people's face. And they're like, no, get over it. It's like, no, you don't get over it. Like Jingle Bells, too. Yeah, Jingle Bells. Really? Yeah, Jingle Bells. The national anthem. Like, you know, like, we don't even have to go in detail. Just people start Googling the actual lyrics to these songs. And then you see why people get frustrated. It's like, dude, this shit's right in our face. But everybody's like, just get over it. It's okay. It's okay. Like, like, no, it's not okay. Yeah, this is going to be a great year, 2020. How about 1920? (laughs) It is the raging 20s, right? That was that was the thing. It was you know it was the raging 20s. It was like roaring 20s, roaring 20s, roaring 20s. 20s. Like so, we're like the COVID 20s. Yeah, but we got to come up with this 20s is something. It's something. I don't know what it is, yeah. but every but they said it was vision. Uh, I, like I honestly think it is the year of vision. I think it's just showing us some things we weren't really looking for, mm-hmm. but it's showing us a lot of shit. Yeah, like twenty twenty showing that us is for a sure. lot. Yeah, we can sure. do it. We we can do a lot. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like we can do a lot, and I say that. My my mother passed this year, and then uh, the day after I buried her, Kobe died, and. Then that was tremendous. And then we got locked down. Mm-hmm. And then the economy happened, uh, crashed. And then uh, President Trump took over the Fed. And then uh, what happened? Hillary, Double lockdown. Hillary's in court. Uh, for- and you, know what, you know what was crazy about that, too? Like, I always, I, he'll tell you, I randomly just hit him up all the time. Like, hey, just want to see if he was all right. Just see if he was up. And I don't know, something gave me a feeling. And that's when I I, I texted him. He was cleaning out his mom's apartment at the time. Uh-huh. And some just told me to text him. Like, I, 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 half the time, he don't even fucking respond. Like, that's, that's not true. Uh, that's it's not true. true. <laughs> but he'll hit me back later, though. Like, uh-huh. and, and that, But that's our relationship. Like, he'll hit me like, hey, man, you need to watch this. Take care of this. Like, and a big brother mentor kind of like thing that we got. So, and then when he hit me back about his mom, I'm like, Damn, like I just, but something told me to hit him up. And mm-hmm. then right after that, it's funny because I was in LA. I was like, hey, I'm in LA. I'm letting you know. Cause I know if I come to LA and I don't tell him, even if I don't see him, it's a problem. If I come uh-huh. to LA and he find out later that He's I was in know LA. Anyway. You're gonna yeah. Know. So I was like, hey, I'm He's in LA. so lucky I don't chase broads anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> and so like <laughs> I told tired. him, I told him, like, yo, like, I'm in LA. He's like, oh man, I'm doing this. And then the next day was Kobe, and I was like, "Shit!" So that I had to hit the him back. Day, so I had to yeah. hit him back after that. I was like, "Damn, man, I just heard about Kobe, man. Like, uh-huh. I I know he was close with Kobe, so I hope you good, man. Yeah, if you need, crazy. I'm like, if you need me, I'm here. But if you, right. I'm one of those people too. Like, I don't, I, I hate hitting up people during like bad times because I already know eight thousand people are hitting them up. You know, but what it's saying? better. Mm-hmm. It's always good. People need to know this. Hit people up during the tough times, not right, the right, good right, times. Right, right. Then when it when shit is flying, don't hit them and see. I see you balling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't hit them with that. You know, clap from a distance. But when it's tough times, 
Let people know. Yeah, and that, that, that's why I told him. I was like, "Hey, if you need to call me back, I'm here. If not, dude, I totally yeah. understand. I'm not one of the people like, well, I called them and they didn't call me back. It's like, no, nah, that's ego. Yeah. Like, let that person deal with the situation how they got to deal. Just with. let them know you're there. Yeah, just let them yeah. know I'm here. If you need me, you probably don't need me, but if so, I'm here. Yeah, we should re-interview. I'm getting my muscle back. Look at that! Look yeah. at that! Look at that! It's coming back, Rich. <laughs> that baby boss. Uh, good luck. Lesson to put a pin in it. Yeah, gotta get John out of here, man. He's getting antsy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Stay vegan. Thanks, guys. Yes, Shit. man. Peace. Thank you, man. Lance. Much love to everybody. So that happened. What'd you guys think? I'm not quite sure what that was, but it was something, right? It was definitely something. Much love to Mr. Sally and Lewis for sharing their truth today. Please check out the show notes on the episode page where I have enumerated a large catalog of resources, articles, books, films, and nonprofits related to today's discussion and current events at large. Check out the trailer for They're Trying to Kill Us on my Instagram page or on YouTube, and let these gentlemen know how this one landed for you by doing it on the socials. You can find Sally at John Sally on Instagram and at the John Sally on Twitter. And John Lewis is of course at Badass Vegan on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to support the work we do here on the show, subscribe, rate, and comment on it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all the places. Share the show or your favorite episodes with friends or on social media. I love that. And you can support us on Patreon at richroll.com forward slash donate. Thanks to everybody who helped put on today's show. Jason Camiello for audio engineering, production, show notes, and interstitial music. Blake Curtis for videoing the show and creating all the clips. How do you guys like the new studio setup? It's pretty badass. Jessica Miranda for graphics. Davey Greenberg for today's portraits. DK for advertiser relationships and theme music by Tyler Pyatt, Trapper Pyatt, and Hari Mathis. Appreciate you guys. I love you. See you back here in a couple of days with another amazing episode. Until then, be well. Treat your fellow brothers and sisters with gratitude and kindness. Peace, plants, nothing.